Now, King Moex at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Gutterworks. Here's your host, Scott Mosby, on King Moex. And good morning, good Saturday. We're off and running with a lot of rainfall happening in the area. Hopefully you're a bit high and dry. 314-436-7900 puts us together to talk about how wet it is or is not in your world, your house, your yard, your basement, any of those things around your home. Phone lines again, 314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. Oftentimes, the wet uh, house, basement, leaking window, door, threshold, whatever it is, is from the wall. Siding, gutter board, overflowing gutters, sometimes the actual basement itself. This is the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored with Schleter Painting, and we have lots to talk about here, and we've got an hour to talk about it. 314-436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. This is my 22nd year on University of KMOX. I am very pleased to be in this seat and uh, responsible for sharing and disseminating whatever questions and answers best knowledge we have as the family of CAMOX together can share amongst ourselves. So sometimes I provide the answers, sometimes I have questions. Forgive me if I ask recurring questions because I just want to know and hear correctly what it is and how I can best help you. Phone lines again, 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120. My day job is Mosby Building Arts. We are in our 77th year um, and indeed uh, been around for quite some time, or 72nd year, excuse me, doing the math on all that. Uh, and it, what we perform are home remodeling. Anything you hear me describe in here, on the Camwex uh, Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show is, is the type of work that I do during the week, if you will. So Mosby Building Arts was founded by my father. We are now a design-build, full-service remodeling firm, which basically means if you have a home, we take care of it in some fashion, uh, whether it's a second-floor addition, finished basement, new kitchen and bath. Most of our projects have a kitchen and bath involved in it. So we are effectively a kitchen and bath company that does larger scale versions of that. And think of us in terms of your quality control because there's so many stories and, you know, war stories that are shared around the remodeling industry of this and that and how this works. Uh, those are the things that I'm fluent in. Uh, I travel the country trying to discover, share, and teach and learn best practices amongst our industry, and that is uh, coast-to-coast here, uh, pretty much anywhere around North America. I enjoy that. I learn a lot through that. Uh, when I first took this uh, radio show uh, host position, I was rather intimidated. How can I know all those answers for the questions that will inevitably come from very smart listeners on KMOX. I, I know KMOX, they're very sharp people. Well, it, it occurred to me sometime soon that, you know what, I just have to connect them with the answers. I don't have to know the answers. Uh, one person cannot know all this stuff. So my general interest is as a generalist. So I like knowing a little bit about a lot 
putting people together with the answers and the specialists that can help them. Much like the medical industry, gen- general practitioner knows a little bit about a lot and he has to be aware. But when it gets down to the very specialties, for me, a specialist would be a, an electrician, a plumber, a heating and cooling person, low volt expert, those sorts of things are where I outrun my skills and experience, have to defer and wish to defer to somebody who can give an accurate, more detailed answer. So sometimes my answers are, uh, here's how you would go about finding that type of a person. Uh, When you're looking for information, uh, there is a seminar coming up here on bathrooms June 8th at the MAC, Missouri Athletic Club West. It's on a Saturday, and this is all about bathrooms. Uh, that is June 8th, a Saturday, and if you'd like to attend, uh, please log on to the callmosby.com, C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y.com website, and that's where you can sign up, and uh, doors open at 10 o'clock. Seminars begin promptly at 1030, so um, be aware. Uh, it's important. Uh, 314-436-7900 for phone calls right here, 800-925-1120. Let's get started. See what's cooking here with my friend Dave. Hey, Dave. Good morning. Welcome to Camwex. How can I help? Good morning to you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank I'll... you for thank you for taking my call. You bet. Um, I've, I'm wondering who I can come out to look at my retaining wall that I've been building for quite a few years, and it's a big, huge wall. It's to retain a corner of my uh, garage, mm-hmm. and it's gonna. It's very tall. And I'm about three quarters of the way done, but I started noticing some shifting on the blocks. Mm-hmm. They're big, 70, 75 pound blocks. And I've got, gosh, I don't know how many hundred tons of rock that I've used for backfill already. Do you have any fabric or uh, fabric holdback? Yes, I do. I have geogrid okay. in about every third or fourth row. Okay. And it's, it's on a very, it's on a steep slope and it's curving around and it's, there's nothing level about it, a little bit at the top, but that's about it. But I've been trying to Google information on who I can just come out to look at it to see if I'm, if I'm wasting my time continuing with this, you know, the, the height of it, and uh, just get a little bit of consultation on it before I continue with it. I've been having to do everything myself because of my location. I can't get uh, a lot of big trucks or anything up here. I've been loading and unloading everything with a, just a half-ton pickup truck. Wow. Where are you located, Dave? Collinsville, Illinois. Okay. Well, you're welcome to call my company. We do consultations like that. We also build walls. Uh, You would talk to probably the wall builder or one of our consultants that is fluent in, you know, site drainage, uh, wall support, design, hold back, all that sort of thing. So you're welcome to call that, but there probably would be a charge for that trip. Okay, so just call the main number and tell them what my problem is and what I need help with. And Yeah, tell them we spoke. Uh, the phone number is 909-1800. It's 314-909-1800. And, and frankly, that's, that's part of the outreach of the radio show, uh, you know, just kind of a part and parcel of uh, helping people find the answer. Okay, whenever I would Google a, a fail, or not a failing, but just help with a, a retaining wall, I would get like little three-foot... Um, little three foot little block type things that were kind of, you know, it might be easy just to kind of take it apart and put it back together. 
but this is this is a very huge structural type wall. It's been in the making for eight or nine years now. Oh my! And I started the. I kind of retained the hill, and I I kind of stopped the bleeding, if you will. But I just been adding to it to make it nice and level, and I've been driving on part of it actually. And but that's not the part that's failing, uh, oddly enough. <laughs> Yeah, and well, like I said, you've I got, some, you've got some shifting failing. soil for sure. Uh, and if it's yeah. taken eight or nine years, you also have been subject to some lateral freeze and expansion of soil. So what was and what it was built, you know, before you get it all backfilled and and freeze protected. So once you get thirty inches of something covering it up, it, it won't move. But if you have an exposed wall and there's soil not too far behind and the freeze gets to it like this past winter, it can push that wall laterally because right. you haven't backfilled it to protect it from that freeze depth. I've, yeah, I've got a six or eight, ten inches of layer of rock in between uh, landscaping fabric and then the earth, but then I just started filling it all with rock. Well, I understand that, but if you don't have 30-inch cover of rock or soil over that earth, as wet as it's been and, and as exposed as that, I suspect what has happened is the whole layout, plumb level and square that you started with, that baseline shifted because the soil froze, heaved, and laterally pushed. This is the kind of stuff Helitech works with on foundations, but, you know, on, an, on a non-freeze-protected wall, you know, i.e. not finished, um, you're, you know, your wall, your hill, what you're trying to retain actually sloughs or slides down the hill from freeze movement. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. So I suspect um, you're going to wind up digging this thing back out on whatever that place is. That And the, the ticket, in my opinion, is getting that frost coverage done uh, on the wall where you... And it may mean finishing the left side of the wall to full height and the right side not, you know, and working like right. a bricklayer might from a corner. Well, that's kind of what I have, but I know it's hard to kind of describe and picture without actually seeing it so that's why i mainly wanted to just find out who i could get out here to look at it since it's so big and it's a structural type you know wall so i will give your number a call and go from there dave did you get a permit on this thing uh no i didn't well that frankly uh your permit would have had an inspector come out and the inspector would have inspected those very things. So basically, uh, this is one okay. of those situations. They want, you know, it's a big deal. Now, you would have had to have drawings, uh, a plot plan, site plan, all of that to prove that this is all happening on your property and that type of thing. But the home inspector or a, uh, you know, municipal inspector would have checked for those things. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, well then my name's Frank, not Dave. Oh, really? <laughs> no, wow. I'm, I'm just kidding. I was saying, well, since I put it all out in the airwaves, yeah, I didn't yeah. get a permit for this thing. Making a little joke. All right. a good one, apparently. Frank, <laughs> thanks for calling. All right. Take care, Scott. All right. Bye now. Oh, Bye. Bye. And now, one of those things, I mean, this is a big deal. We'll talk about that after we come back here on University of Camo X. 314-436-7900, 1120 now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Gutterworks. Once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. 
All right, back together, home improvement. We have lots of things to talk about. It's a bit of a sprint on for just about an hour more. We're going to go to the top of the hour, news, weather, and sports. Do a few minutes and then off to the St. Louis Baseball Cardinals. A lot of things happening in St. Louis. Much to be proud about here in the Lou. So we've got phone lines for you, 314-436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120. Let's see what's happening with my friend Carol. Carol, good morning. Welcome to CAMWEX. How can I help? Good morning, Scott. I have a question for you. Uh, I have a double sink in my kitchen, and there's an offensive odor coming from it. Mm-hmm. Now, I have used Ritex on it, but only one time. What can we do to eliminate this problem? Uh, down under your sink... Um, there is uh, probably a disposer. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so now that second sink has a pipe that just comes straight down out of the bottom of the sink, makes a turn, and goes over into the disposal. There, yes, I see that. And then behind all that is a P-trap. So all of the odors from the sewer system, the piping, the waste system, all of that in the house is protected, except what your disposer smells like, and all those pipes. The inside of those pipes is lined with grease and gook and food residue and all sorts of stuff. Um, Unfortunately, those pipes pretty much need to come off and give them a bath on the inside just like you would on the outside of your car. Uh, There's just a liner of goo. And if you dump bleach down, it will kill the top residue on the odor, but then it may the thickness of that slime is, is just too much over time. So either you change those pipes or clean those pipes. Uh, they're typically a plastic material. And, uh, you know, or you can, you know, stick a bottle brush down the, uh, the drain. The problem is you run the risk of getting the bottle brush stuck in there. You, you yeah. following the path here on, on all this, Carol? You know, the, are you thinking the logic through? Because there, you, you I'm just call a plumber. Well, that's kind of it, you know. And now the plumber will pull it apart, and it may be something that you take to a laundry sink and scrub it out yourself. But uh, it's it's not high tech work, but it is a recurring thing. And you'll do this in another three to five years. It just, you know, it's kind of like a shower drain. As that pipe goes down into the P-trap, the water puddle that keeps the the sewer gases on one side and the house on the other, everything on that pipe, that four-inch drop or whatever it is, all that shampoo residue, the paraffin wax from the shampoos and the bar soap, all that stuff sticks to the side of the pipes, and it just sits there in a moist, moist, dark, warm environment, so it's a Petri dish for all kinds of dandy smells. Well, you certainly defined the problem for me. Yeah, I, I have to get a little basic and crude with it, but, you know, it, you know it's all the food that, uh, you know, didn't make it out of the house, wound up sticking to that pipe, and, you know, just kind of is what it is. So you can put ice down the disposer and knock all that stuff off, and you can put lemons and uh, orange peels and all that stuff. So you can take care of the disposer, but that pipe... There's just virtually no way to get to it easily to clean that out. And, you know, it's... Uh, uh, now, I would suggest in the future anything uh, gooky, like if you're scrubbing out a big, um, you know, fry pan with a lot of oil, put it down the disposer side because that other side, it's going to the disposer anyway. It's just going to leave some of that residue along the inside of those pipes on the way. 
All right. Well, thank you so much, Scott. I appreciate your input to this situation. Well, do you feel like you understand it now, Carol? Yes, I do. And and frankly, before you know, if you're at all handy or you have somebody that's at all handy, get down and take a look at the thing and see um, and see if you're willing to tackle it because you know it'll take the plumber probably five minutes to put this thing, take this thing apart and probably 10 or 15 to change a few things and put it back together. It'll take you 20 minutes to pull all the stuff out of the cabinet. (laughs) True, true. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your help. Okay, Carol, take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye now. Home improvement, so many things to talk about. With rain like this, keep in mind that if you keep your gutters clear, your downspouts clear, and you have just a splash block at the bottom of that downspout, that splash block is only dispersing that water one foot, foot and a half away from the house, maybe two feet. It doesn't really carry that excessive water away. So your roof is nothing more than a big wide-brim hat that sits on top of your house and diverts the water other places. Well, if you have two downspouts, you're getting a ton of water in those two locations. If you've got four downspouts, six, eight, 12, whatever it is, you're putting a lot of water in a very confined space. So carrying that with an extension downspout or um, underground drain, whatever it is, that's very important. If not, you're going to be calling Helitech for some kind of help on that. So uh, it's important. Invest in that. Uh, make sure things are sealing. Uh, we're going into the screen times of the year. Uh, so opening windows and doors. It's a little chilly today. We had a few days the other day uh, earlier in the week where opening the windows would change the air, freshen up the air. Uh, the indoor air quality and the byproducts. Keep in mind, if you have even gas appliances, there's a little bit of, uh, of that residue that comes off the flame. You might have a pilot light. Uh, it gives off just a little bit of carbon monoxide. So freshening up the air, changing it, airing out the house is important for opening the windows and the doors. Make sure your screens are in good situation and good working order because as wet as the spring has been, man, I promise you, bugs will be everywhere this season. I mean, all over the place because it's been relatively wet for a long time. So all those eggs hatched and they're coming out. So whether it's bees or ants or spiders, all those critters are going to have a bumper crop year. And in your home could be one of the places they visit. So indeed, be aware that you're going to have a lot of um, mosquitoes uh, outdoors in the house. Be aware we're still under that West Nile virus uh, awareness. I wouldn't call it a warning. Just be aware. Phone lines are open for you. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Also, as it relates to your car, uh, think about that garage door opener. That opener, you know, and the light comes on when you open that overhead door. If you have a press button and automatic door opener. Yeah, LED light. Make sure you get plenty of illumination in there. It's kind of nice to have, uh, you know, nice, warm, comfortable 
lighted areas for coming into the home. Uh, home improvement here. This is Scott Mosby, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Cardinals are coming up at 1215 today right here on CAMOX. The Blues play tonight. Big deal happening here in University of CAMOX. So stay tuned. Go Blues. Let's get the Cardinals going today with the Pirates here on CAMOX. Now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Gutterworks. Once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Back together, University of KMOX on this wet, wet weather day. And to that end, let's uh, see what's happening with my friend Jerry. Jerry, good morning. Welcome to KMOX, sir. How can I help? Hi, Scott. Uh, I'm calling from Illinois, and I've got a question for you. Okay. Thanks for taking my call. Yes. Uh, about 10 years ago, I installed a bathroom in my basement. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, I had to also put in a, like a sump pump or like a lift station. And the only thing feeding this sump pump is that bathroom, which is like a, a toilet, a shower, and a sink. Okay. And then the only time that it would run is when, of course, I would use the shower or the toilet. But about two months ago, all of a sudden I would hear it run, you know, a couple of times a day. And, and when it would run, it was, it's loud. It's got a loud clunk when yeah. it's done. Okay. So that happened a couple of months ago. And now, today, it's running about every hour and a half. And there shouldn't be anything feeding. And I turned all the water off to that bathroom. So I can't figure out why it would be running. I, I did talk to a plumber, and he said I possibly have a leakage getting into it. Yes, likely. Or, or possibly, I think there's a check valve. He said maybe that's leaking and it's training back into the pump. Now, is this a uh, like a contained lift pump for just those fixtures in that bathroom? Yes. It's not really a sump down below the floor? It is below the floor. Okay. It's below the concrete. How watertight is that pit? Well, the problem is getting to it... Uh, it's in the corner of the bathroom, and I got a wall built around it. So, yeah. in order for me to get to it, I got to tear the wall out, which I can do if I have to, but I don't want to do it. So, I, uh, you know, because I don't know how tight it would be. Where's your check valve? Where's your backflow uh, check valve? I, I can see that it, it's right above floor level. I, uh, how old is this check valve? Ten years. 10 years. I would look into that check valve. I probably, if it's easily removed, I'd pull it off, um, spray it out, clean it out, see what's up with it, maybe put a little bit of uh, lubricant in there and make sure it's working correctly because if it's not, whatever it's pumping up can come back down and so your plumber is exactly correct. Now the other side, which I think is a 50-50 chance as well, is that if you have that sump bucket or pit down below the floor, these things are not made to be watertight unless they're actually a sewer pump lift station. You know what I mean? And you would know that. If it was a sewer lift pump, you would have paid somewhere between one and $3,000 for this thing. If it's not, if it's just a sump pump bucket, you would have paid 75 for that plus the cost of the sump. So, I mean, the difference of um, capturing a sealed um, effluent sewer pump is huge compared to a sump pump. Uh, and if you well, have just a sump put pit in there, that thing's leaking for sure. It has a toilet feeding it, so it would handle sewage. 
Well, I know that, but uh, it's not what goes into it. It's what leaks into it. A sewer yeah. pit is about three-eighths of an inch thick because it's a sealed part of the wastewater okay. system, and it's okay. under licensed plumber requirements. So if you just put a sump pit in there with a sump pump to handle this, even going into your uh, waste line, uh, I guarantee um, natural water is getting into that Okay, uh, for sure. That wall has to come out. So anyway, do a little bit of checking on sewer pump uh, and sewer pit not sump pump and sump pit. Uh, it's a whole different thing, and it's it's thousands of dollars difference in uh, sophistication, uh, sealing ability, because if you had a sewer pit, you know, a bucket down for sewage, it would not leak. You have gaskets okay. even on the lid. It's and that's what the plumber, he was betting his money that it's probably leaking because yeah. of all the rain. He said the water table is probably high. Absolutely. And I'm, he said there's a good chance that that's what it is. Yeah, I'm totally tracking with the plumber. It uh, it all just makes logic sense. And, uh, you know, basically it's, uh, you know, to put that sewer pump in, uh, I, ideally it's the same kind of process. You're just messing around with very high-tech equipment compared to a sump pump and a sump pit. Okay. And like you said, that sump pump would handle the toilet, sewage from one toilet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, okay. pumping a liquid, whether it's a fluid or not, uh, you know, it's the solids. If you get a lot of solids in there, that's where a sewer grinder, basically the way a sewer pump is, is it gr it's kind of like a um, blender. It macerates everything and then pumps it out, whereas a sump pump just takes big gulps of whatever comes into it and pumps it out. So, okay. fortunately, you haven't had a lot of sour, solids going through there or else you would have had this, you know, it would have failed right. earlier. But right. I'm almost sure that you just have the wrong sump pit and pump in, and it's just not a sealed vessel and water's coming in because it can. Okay. Okay. Appreciate Thanks. it, Mike, or Scott. You bet, Jerry. Good luck, my friend. Okay. okay. Thank you, sir. Bye. Bye now. Next up, let's talk about some uh, topics with Mr. Dennis. Hey, Dennis, good morning. How you doing, and how can I help? Yeah, hi, Scott. How are you today? Fantastic. A little wetter around the gills than I normally am, thinking I'm a fish, but I'll get over it. <laughs> I hear you. It's uh, wet everywhere out here. Oh, Scott, a few minutes ago, you mentioned uh, putting uh, LED light bulbs in uh, garage door openers. Yes. Uh, I'm a retired master electrician. Uh-huh. And I can't tell you how many times we've had a uh, bad experience with LED and or CFL light bulbs, especially in older garage door openers, uh, because they interfere with the radio frequencies oh. on the door openers themselves. Really? And they, they cause them to uh, either operate erratically or, in some cases, not at all. Uh, Wow. So I thought I'd pass that on to you uh, so folks don't go out and put the LED bulbs in their garage door openers and then have to call the garage door company to come figure out what the problem is. Well, Dennis, thank you. I was aware of that with CFLs, but I am unaware of it with light-emitting diodes. I didn't uh, – it, it makes sense. It's an electronic machine, so it can mess with electronics. It does do that, especially on openers that are a few years old, the uh, newer uh, openers that have uh, better circuitry in them yeah. don't seem to be affected as badly. But uh, just to be on the safe side, I'd stick with the regular old incandescent bulbs in the garage door opener. 
Well, Denny, while I still have you, is there anything else you'd like to share? I mean, you're battle-worn and tested. Uh, any ways you can help our listeners today with another nugget? I bet you've got a few buried down in your pocket there somewhere. Oh, I've got a handful, uh, about 40 years worth I could give you. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Anything come uh, to mind? Best thing I can say today is uh, don't, uh, don't work outside with uh, the electric hedge trimmers. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Hello, brother. <laughs> Don't stand in a puddle with an electric cord connected. Yeah. There you go. There you go, Scott. Hey, okay, Denny. I just uh, wanted to pass that on, and I hope you have a, a good day. Thank you. Much appreciated, Denny. little help from our friends. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye now. All right, Denny calls in. Do not, do not, says Denny, do not use LED or CFL, the squiggly compact fluorescent light bulbs. It all makes sense to me because, you know, especially the LED, those things are kind of little bitty circuit boards. Uh, and uh, I was not aware. Denny's uh, mentioning that newer openers, I would guess within one to three years, if you've got uh, a newer garage door opener, that might work for LEDs. But his advice is good old friendly, you know, incandescent light bulbs, no LEDs, no CFLs. little help from our friends there, University of KMOX. Sometimes I offer the answers. Sometimes I'm the student. Uh, let's see what's cooking here and talk to my friend. Uh, how about Ken? Hey, Ken, Scott here. How can we help you? Scott, uh, good morning to you. Yes, sir. Uh, we have a home uh, about 30 years old, and the, the brick on the home is uh, gray and white. Okay. The combination of gray and white. And on one side of the house, uh, it's the, the paint is weathered on those bricks, and the natural color of the bricks starting to show through, and I'd like to touch it up. And I, I need to know what kind of paint to use. And, uh, Ooh. I can tell you what kind of paint do not use. Yeah. Um, though, uh, <laughs> do not use oil-based paint. Okay. Oil-based paint, that solvent mixed up with the alkalis in that brick and the mortar create detergent. So you'll start working up soap suds and it will fail on you. So you're using some version of a latex paint. Now, uh, Ken, is this a opaque where you just can't see through the paint at all, or is this kind of a weathered um, um, uh, faux finish, uh, lighter whitewashed? No, it's the natural color of the bricks starting to show through the uh, gray and white. You know, yeah, the you're, white you're, yeah, your paint's just failing. Yeah, uh, on that, you're going to have to power wash, clean it, uh, because if that's starting to fall off, then you're going to have other places. So just like painting siding, you will discover through that power washing uh, process that you're going to have a lot of pieces of paint that come off of that. And then you'll have to spot prime that, and it'll be a latex top coat. And when you buy that latex top coat, go to a paint store and say, this is what I'm up against. Because if you're painting the raw paint, that's one thing. But I guarantee it's a latex paint on the top, and you can repaint latex over latex. And Oh, you can? Yes, sir. Okay, so uh, with the primer? Spot primer on the raw brick. You can't just necessarily, you know, a, a primer is more like glue in brush form. Uh, so just think of it as to get the paint to stick, you will need a special primer for brick, formulated for brick. Um, and, and that's where you need to leverage the knowledge of that paint salesman. So get to a pro store somewhere. Somebody really knows what they're talking about and have this conversation. That's kind of the problem I've been having. I seem to get different stores. You know, 
can't decide if it's oil or latex. Oh, no, no, no. Your primer will not be oil. Now, I guarantee that the top coat is likely not oil. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much. Okay, Ken, take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Yeah, if it was oil, there would have been bigger problems way before this time. So, uh, you know, somebody may have mistaken, but typically with the EPA and what's been happening with water-based paints, very unlikely that it's oil. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900, Scott Mosby here at your service. Now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Gutterworks. Once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Oh, yeah, we've been so busy right here on KMOX. Lots of things happening. Phone calls abound. Please stay the line. I've got a lot of calls, and I'm going to take you in the order I get them. Let's see what's cooking with Sean. Hey, Sean, Scott here. How can I help? Hey, Scott. Been listening to you for years. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Uh, quick question. Um, uh, my uh, garage foundation or slab is kind of getting a little concave in the middle. I just noticed that over the last year. And uh, the irony is, is uh, I had my gutters replaced last year. I've extended my, what do they think they call it, corrugated piping from the end of the gutter. I extended those out further out yeah. than they were. I've done all those things, but I didn't know if there's a correlation there, but I did notice it's starting to slope a little in the middle of my garage. And, uh, so I just want to get your thoughts. I've heard of polyjacking, mudjacking, or maybe just replacing the slab. Or what? What are your thoughts or recommendations? When, on that? when it gets to uh, that slab, I, I'm all about replacing it. Uh, how, how old is it? Uh, the house, uh, I believe, was built in '91 or '92. Yeah, uh, my feeling. Excuse me on those concrete slabs. Typically, what happens is the soil underneath freezes, lifts the concrete up, breaks it, and then when it goes back down, that concrete over 5, 10, 20 years, it just eventually settles back down. So it's the subgrade. You can polyjack it, but in my opinion, uh, uh, a more saleable and cleanable. Uh, surfaces available with a new concrete floor. And, and you can get in and see whatever problems and water sources are getting in and messing around with it. Because if you polyjack it and you do have a water problem, you know, you're it just going to keep going and then you have to polyjack it again until you fix that water. So, you know, bear the wounds, see what's going on underneath that concrete floor and get her done. So you recommend it's just probably better just to replace the slab, okay? I think so, just if, because you, that way you'll know. And, you know, the polyjacking is not inexpensive. You drill holes and you go through all that. So if you have any other issue, and then you've got a cracked slab on the surface, too. So you spend a lot of money and it's still unsightly with all the oil stains and whatever. So I'm, I'm one yeah. that, uh, you know, I love starting over on a concrete slab. Front porches, not so much. They don't get covered with oil. They don't break so often. You know, all those things, so... That's kind gotcha. of what okay. Worth. Yeah. All righty. Well, thank you, sir. Okay, Sean. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Next up, let's see what's cooking here with my buddy Warren. Hey, Warren. Scott here. Good afternoon. Good morning. How can I help? Yeah, good morning. Where I am. Yeah. <laughs> I owned a, a car door uh, suggestion. Huh? I owned a house in Tucson. Yeah. And last year, I put in a brand-new door opener from a company that's been in business for years, so I figured they knew what they were talking about. And the guy asked for a light bulb, and I handed him a new uh, light bulb, and he said, no, 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 I want one of the old incandescent light bulbs. And he said the same thing that what your pre- one of your previous callers did. He said it interferes with the the uh, radio signal of, and that's I guess that's what they call it, yeah. the 
electronics in the overhead door opener. And so I gave him the incandescent and it worked all right. So then I thought about the LCD light I had in my TV room because when I would sit in the chair and talk on my cell phone and that light for the LCD bulb in it would be on. But I talk on my cell phone and people would complain. They said, well, is somebody else on this line or we hear another voice, we hear some interference. When I replaced it with it, went back to the incandescent light and took the LC bulb out of the my reading light. I had no complaints about the cell phone. Holy smokes! I haven't heard that before, Warren. Yeah. So wow. there's a there's a tip if uh, you're getting crazy stuff on the cell phone, you better look at the light that's in the lamp next to it. Wow! Wow! So wow. enjoy your show. Hey, Warren. Thanks for the help, brother. You're welcome. All right. Home improvement. little help from Warren. No LED light bulbs if you're having trouble with cell phone coverage. Interesting. Warren's having crosstalk between cell phone and uh, the LED bulb in his living room or family room, whatever it is, where he's nearby. It bridges and causes problems with the signal. Interesting. I mean, as we get all these, you know, electric waves buzzing around our house, they do have troubles. I'm, I'm aware that some of the old cordless phones uh, are on the same frequency as Wi-Fi, so then they had to upgrade the cordless phone frequency. Now we're into cell phones and all on and on and on. It all makes sense. Stay tuned here. University of KMOX coming up for more after news, weather, and sports. Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Gutterworks. Here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. All right, few more minutes here. University of KMOX, phone lines open, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. Any information you're interested in me, you can check it out by callmosby.com. There are seminars coming up soon. That is uh, coming up on June 8th, bathroom seminar, if you're interested in that. Right now, let's get right back to the phone lines here, see what's cooking with my friend Laura. Laura, good afternoon. Welcome to Lunch on KMOX. How can I help? Hi, Scott. Thanks for your show. Yes, um, ma'am. I have a cinder block basement mm-hmm. um, that was built in the 40s, and I don't have any leaks. I'm very lucky, but I noticed, and it's all painted, and it's been painted probably more than once or twice. Okay. As it is. But one wall, just in an area, I'd say that's like maybe eight inches wide, it looks like it's bubbling up from underneath. And I know it's water, and I know that's what's causing it, and there's nothing much I can do about that. But I wanted to know if I started to chip away that bubbly stuff to repaint it, am I making a worse situation? Uh, Yes and no. Uh, It's the indication that the paint's getting a little less stuck to the cinder block, Uh, as it will, because that concrete block, cinder block, will take moisture through it. Uh, Once you start, it's kind of like uh, on rust. You will just, when you look for rust, you will find more. Uh, That being said, if you don't do this, it'll fall off in future years anyway. So sooner or later, that painted wall is going to need a little bit of attention. Uh, And I suspect that uh, if that paint comes off, when if you get to the raw cinder block area 
um, when you clean it up, then I would suggest you prime it with something like a dry lock or a waterproofing paint or, you know, something like that because you can. So I, I think you've got a really good foundation. Something is working really right on the water management around that house. So, you know, it sounds like everything's going pretty good. Yeah, I, I do feel fortunate because I'm in the middle of leaky basements. So, yeah. But I have one more question. Sure. I remember you talking about this all the time, and I can never keep it straight. When you have a roof that has a uh, a vent all the way across the top, I can't remember ridge what it's called. Yep. Yeah, the ridge vent. Uh-huh. You're not supposed to have a vent on the sides of your house either, right? Or are you supposed to have that? No, you're not. Those get closed up, but you must have the overhang vents down by the gutters to replace that. So if you have no overhang or soffit vents down by the gutters, Laura, then you... You do not? I do not. Then don't close up those gable vents because you will likely need them. Uh, uh, So... Uh, you have only high ventilation because of the gable vents up top and the ridge vent. So better would be to get some low source of cool supply air low on the roof. Well, without that, you still need those gables going on. Okay. Okay. All right. I understand. Good question, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. You guys have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. And Laura's referring to uh, the topic of uh, on a ridge vent, on proper attic ventilation, um, hot air rises, convective air current. So as that air warms up from the sun hitting your roof shingles, cooking up that attic volume, kind of like a big solar oven, it raises the temperature and the pressure to where the hot air rises and escapes out the ridge vent, pan vent, whirlybirds, whatever method of high exhaust you have, and that's a good thing. Uh, The real value comes not from letting out the hot air, but from washing cooler supply low air across the underside of the roof sheathing and uh, uh, as well uh, then cooling off that roof shingle. That's very important. So uh, it's the cool supply new air that's important more so than exhausting. So where, uh, um, uh, uh, let me see, Laura was uh, talking about that. It's important that the hot air go out, but more important that cool supply air comes in. Stay tuned. We've got the Cardinals coming up. We've got, uh, we've got the prayer shawls over in the corner trying to keep the rain at a minimum. We're going to see if we can get these Pirates defeated here at uh, uh, Cardinalville. We've got the Blues playing later on today. Good things happening here in St. Louis. So stay tuned. Lots of things happening. University of Camo X. Scott Mosby at your service. See you next week.